Welcome to the CRE Podcast, 100% Canadian, 100% commercial real estate. Now, here are your hosts, Aaron Cameron and Adam Pawatic. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, as always, Aaron Cameron with Adam Pawatic. We're recording live today at the Western Canada Apartment Investment Conference. Uh, and as always, like to thank our sponsor, First National. Today, our guest is a gentleman by the name of Scott Ulrich, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Gateway Property Management Corporation. I got through that. Thanks. Yeah. Scott, welcome. How are you? Very well, thank you. And thank you for inviting me. So Scott, I mean, I'd love to start with just how you got into real estate. I mean, how did you end up where you are today? Well, it was, it was an interesting sort of ride. Uh, the, the Gateway's a family family business that was actually started with my mother and father, along with two other partners, Ken and Harry Gillespie. And so uh, pretty much all through my high school and university, I was exposed to, uh, to property management, and it was where I was planning on going pretty much all through my life. I did wind up taking a little bit of a detour because when I was in university, I, I found out that I was pretty good at accounting and I thought, well, maybe I should try this. So uh, Exciting. Yeah. yeah. So after graduating, I, uh, I got my CA, spent the three years to get my articles, which was uh, three years to the day because I didn't realize that I made a mistake and you know, better get back into it. So went back to UBC, got my diploma in urban land economics, and then in uh, 83, I uh, joined the company. And uh, Initially, I was uh, back in accounting. They hired me as a controller. I guess I impressed them that way. But uh, fairly soon after that, I uh, managed to convince the powers that be that you know perhaps I could be in the property management side. And I uh, found a controller to take over my role. Actually, was my best friend at the time, and he's still there 30, 30 years later. But he's no longer your best friend now. He's no longer <laughs> my best friend, but, uh, yeah, but he's still there. <laughs> And yeah, so then I got into property management. Uh, I was given a portfolio, eventually uh, and became general manager. My uh, mother and father both retired in 1990, and uh, that's when I was actually given the title of, at that time, president, and continued on from there. And uh, a few interesting stories I can tell you about how we expanded after that, because uh, we were initially just a uh, regional management company, which... You know, in Canada, most companies are that. There's only a handful that I would say are, are national in scope or, or more than just one location. Uh, but what, what was your first region? So uh, we first moved into uh, Calgary from, from Vancouver, and uh, we got dragged into that one initially kicking and screaming by one of our clients that was a uh, mortgage company of all things, and they were going through some foreclosures. and the oh, Early 90s, of course. Yeah, yeah you got it. <laughs> and it's a familiar so, theme. Yeah, you guys know guess. all about that, I'm sure. So yeah, so we uh, got dragged into that and set up an office. Then we uh, made our first acquisition. We purchased a management company called McDonald Property Management. The gentleman's name was Dave McDonald. We couldn't come to terms on a, a purchase price for a total acquisition, so we wound up being 50-50 partners under the Gateway banner for about 18 years before he sold me the other half. Uh, but it was a great partnership there. and uh, so, so, so Calgary was our, our first venture outside of uh, the province. Our next one after that then uh, was a similar story where we uh, had a client that uh, was in Vancouver that was starting to buy in Toronto. That company was called Ramco International Properties, and again, they sort of dragged us there. We started managing 94, I believe, in Toronto. Our office actually is in Cambridge in Ontario. That same client then dragged us to Montreal, which truly was four years of difficult 
dare I say, hell for me. But uh, we've got a strong office there now and, and are managing uh, well over 3,000 units in, in Montreal. So that's how we went across the country. We also then expanded within the province, British Columbia province, into Victoria and two other smaller towns, Kelowna and Kamloops. And some of that was just natural growth, and some of that was yeah. acquiring other management companies in those locations. So you, I think before we started recording, you kind of indicated the company was 50 years old. What's the start? What's the so, so it's actually, uh, this year we're celebrating 55 years. Wow. Uh, the company was founded in uh, 1964. As I mentioned, my mother and father, Bert and Irene Ulrich, were partners with another family, uh, Harry and Ken Gillespie. Harry and Ken were uh, developers and landlords, and my parents were uh, basically the, the managers. And so the first project that Harry built, again, was in 64. It was a uh, project called Arbutus Gardens Apartments in Vancouver. This was before there was a such thing as a condominium act. And Harry was a visionary, and his son Ken were visionaries at the time, and they created this 302-unit apartment building that was totally geared to uh, people, you know, empty nesters downsizing. It was a, a building that had, you know, two pools, a card room, two lounges. It had a gym with a steam jacuzzi trainer and a masseuse. It actually had seven uh, workshops with table saws and everything, which we wouldn't do today, but back then was sort of considered okay. And bulk storage and what have you. And what was happening is this, this site was located in uh, if you know uh, British Columbia or Vancouver that well, sort of where Caresdale and Shaughnessy sort of meet. So it was a great, great location. And uh, Harry built it. And as they say, the people came. And mm. so it was, a, it was a huge success at the time. And the same, the same Gillespie's as West Bank? No. Or separate? Uh, yeah, it's a common, common misconception. Yeah, yeah. no. So uh, Harry actually used to be in the mortgage business uh, okay. with I like Canada him. Life, I, like I believe. <laughs> Sharp guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he passed away in the uh, mid-80s, and his son Ken took it over. But um, they're no longer in the management side. They've, they've sold out and, uh, uh, and are on to different, uh, bigger and better projects, I guess, for them. But yeah, no relation to West Bank at all, other than the last name is the same. So I was going to actually ask you, as part of your uh, growth, which market gave you the most headaches getting into it? But is that, would that be Montreal? Was that the most difficult growing pain? Yes. Uh, the- so, so Montreal was indeed the most difficult. Obviously, uh, totally different laws uh, in Montreal. Totally a different tenancy act. Different language. Yeah. Total different language. Uh, one that which I do not speak. And you know, in the uh, the first building that. Uh, Ramco purchase. We had to go through and do the due diligence, and and everything was in French. And I've taken high school French. My uh, speaking of it is very, very, very poor, and I had to really brush up on being able to read it. <laughs> so uh, we basically communicated with everybody by writing it down in French, and then me trying to translate it. So it was a tough start. Uh, no Google Translate back then. No either. Google Translate yeah. back then. No, no iPhones. None of that fun stuff. Right? It was all done the old, old-fashioned way. So. But like I say, it was four years. It was pretty tough four years. But we got the, in this business, in property management, it's, it's all about people. And, you know, we, we got the right people. It took a little while, but we got the right people. And they're still there with us today and, and managing this portfolio and expanding this portfolio. And, uh, yeah, if I, uh, would I do it all over again? I guess I'd say yes, because after losing a few of these hairs and having some turn gray, it all turned good. So we're happy about that. Well, Montreal, despite the headaches, is a very important apartment market in this country. So it's probably worth the worth the effort. It definitely is. About fifty percent of the uh, population in Montreal alone rent. And well, even one, though 
the one number that always blows me away is there's 70,000 apartment units. I think the rest of Canada has like, you know, not that many, or maybe it's, maybe it's 700,000. I can't remember the number, but it's almost double the rest of the country combined, right? It, it, it's insane. It, it, it's, it's huge, yes. And back in the, the 90s there, when we took over that, uh, you know, because of the various tenancy laws and that, buildings weren't necessarily being terribly well maintained. And uh, we had a client that actually wanted to make sure that they were maintained. So we had a quite a uphill battle to get these things turned around and fixed up. And uh, and then, of course, an even more difficult battle to getting market rents and, and what have you. But again, like I say, you know, time heals all wounds and it's worked out very well for us and for our clients. clients we have more now in Montreal since then. What is the, the total size of the portfolio you manage? So right now, Gateway is primarily a multifamily uh, property management uh, business. We, we do have a million square feet of commercial, which is split between office, warehouse, and, and a little bit of retail. But on the multifamily side, we've got 30,000 units, which is uh, split almost down the middle between condominium management, which we do, and uh, fee-for-service rental management. Our lower mainland British Columbia portfolio has a large portion of condos, basically because that's what every crane is in Vancouver right now. And you know, everywhere else, we're a little bit stronger on the on the rental side. And and even in Vancouver, we're very very strong on the rental side. When did you make the transition, or was it always just natural to do the uh, the condo management? Because it's a little bit different than apartment management. It, yeah, anyway, it's definitely it was just out of necessity, perhaps. Well, it, so it's an interesting thing. Again, this this goes back a little bit before my time. But we, as I mentioned, '64, we started out. We manage, you know, apartment buildings. We manage apartment buildings that are partner owned. But our partner, the Gillespie family, had investors in their buildings. So over time, those investors had other buildings. They asked us to manage and. Those buildings had other investors and they asked us to manage. So over time, we started to grow from managing only what we owned as a company to fee-for-service management. And then when the Condominium Act did come out in Vancouver and British Columbia, a number of these rental buildings were being converted to condo. So we were already managing them and you know the decision was made, you know, how much more difficult can it be? <laughs> which are words to live by. And so we started getting involved in condo management at that point in time. But rental is still our primary focus. And uh, even to this day, it's, it's a major part of what we, what we do. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just curious, what are the sort of the major distinctions or differences between apartment and condo management? Well, well the biggest uh, distinction is like with, with an apartment building, let's just talk about the people and the residents. So with an apartment building, you've got a property manager and typically that property manager is dealing with site staff and those site staff are dealing with the residents being the, the tenants of the building. So, so the superintendent. The superintendent, yeah. yeah. So you got 100 tenants, one resident, one superintendent, one property manager, and that's sort of how the, the discussions go. <laughs> with condo management, you may or may not have a superintendent, but you definitely have, instead of 100 tenants, you've got 100 owners. So the lines of the communication, the uh, communication that's expected is significantly more for condo management than it is for, for rental management. So our property managers that do condo only spend a fair amount of time just communicating with all the owners or all the residents, one and the same, in, the, in their buildings. But the actual day-to-day work outside of the communication is actually a little bit less because you're not involved in the suites or anything. You're just dealing with the common areas of the property, the envelope, making sure that the building is being maintained. Nobody's looking at you to make money. They're just looking at you to maintain it. 
Right. And I imagine, of course, in the condo owner scenario, it's not the level of sophistication you'd find in people that own entire apartment buildings. Well, that's true, yes. So you're, you know, with a landlord, you're dealing with uh, uh, an individual who, you know, number one, you know, has the sophistication involved with acquiring real estate and uh, uh, has a, a very strong interest in ensuring that that real estate is being well managed. With condo management, you, you still have, you know, owners that are interested in having the building well managed, but, you know, your condominium board or your strata council are basically made up of upwards of, say, seven individuals who are volunteering their time to do this and may not have the, uh, the strength in, in real estate to, to totally comprehend what, what we have to do. So there's a little bit more involvement on Gateway's part in condo management to ensure that everyone is on side with uh, uh, making sure that the building's being managed. I, I live in a condo, in a townhouse condo, and it feels like every condo board meeting annually or annual meeting the property management company has to justify why they are the property manager. And, and the, the amounts of the, the types of things that come back from all the individual owners are, I think, things that you'd never deal with on an apartment side, whether it's, you know, regards to tiny little, you know, repair items that weren't done that would probably never have been picked up by a landlord of, a, of an apartment building. But when you got somebody yeah. that lives there and they, they're so passionate about their house, it's, it's a totally different different relationship. Well, that's exactly it. When we deal with our rental landlord clients, you know, we build relationships with, you know, one individual or one corporation. With the condos, the boards change sometimes every year and, you know, every other year. And so you have to reestablish those relationships. And it's a, a bit more work, certainly on our part, to, to have that happen. But it's, it's, you know, one of those parts of the business that you just got to do. We don't need to get into the details, but are the fees different from uh, on those different industries or different what, different products? Uh, what I like to say is, and you've probably heard this before, we lose money on every deal, but we make up for it on volume. Condom fees are typically lower than rental fees for sure. So, you know, you might, condos are charged on a per door basis. And depending on where you are, you know, it could be, could be as low as $20 a door per month, could be up to $40 a door per month. But if you took a rental building and figured out the fee on a per door basis, you should be north of that. So in your, let's maybe let's keep going down this path a little bit. You're in all these markets across the country. Are there different different markets have different approaches to the, the pricing for the, the property management, or is it more or less the same? Because you've got, I, mean, I guess, national ownership that have a sort of a standard expectation. So you're, you're talking rental now, or yeah? Let's yeah. let's stick to yeah. rental. That's okay. enough on the condo side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We are we are in an apartment complex. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Let's let's yeah. leave that one behind us. Yeah. yeah. No, on the rental side, actually, the uh, the management fees are, are relatively consistent from province to province. There are differences based on volume. Obviously, clients that have more properties can get a better deal from us than other, you know, smaller clients. But there's not not a huge difference. Just recently, Altus invited us along with a number of other management companies to uh, do a survey on management fees across across Canada. And of course, like I say, we're in five of those provinces, and it was uh, incredible how close. I believe there is. 15 management companies that were surveyed. It was amazing how incredibly close those fees are from company to company to company. So, you know, one needs to look at a management company for you know, what services they provide, what quality they provide. The fees are pretty much static across the country. Well, so maybe that's an interesting direction to go. So then when you are... I don't know if it's an RFP, maybe we can explain the process about how somebody, a, a landlord might change property managers or, you know, I think sometimes maybe they're managing it themselves and then decide to, to engage a third party. 
how do they go about you know, selecting that third party? You know, what different fees does Gateway provide that, that is, or what, sorry, what different services does Gateway provide to differentiate yourself from the competitors? Well, what I would say differentiates uh, Gateway from other management companies is we don't try to fit all of our clients into one management style. We try to customize our management to the requirements of the client. We always have institutional clients that are heavily focused on reporting, budgeting, and uh, the numbers. We have uh, family uh, businesses that are more focused on uh, producing the bottom line and, and not so much on the reporting side of it. We got clients that would like budgets. We got clients that don't like budgets. You know, it's a unique sort of story. Uh, we have clients that have their own reporting system, so we actually jump onto their system as opposed to using our system. And these are things that are just a little bit different that we do that not every other property management company out there does. You mentioned um, systems. So other than Google Translate for your Quebec business, <laughs> property technology, aka PropTech, what are you seeing integrated into your business in that regards? Well, you know, technology is a big, big part now of property management. You know, we, uh, there are, the number of property managers out there, are, there's a lot of people in property management are close to my age. So, you know, how much longer are they going to be there? I'm trying to find a polite way of saying this. We, we need to get They're more. all old. I got, I'll say it for you. <laughs> and, you know, we might talk a little bit later about how we're trying to get younger people into this. But right now, there's basically a shortage of property managers. So you have to do more with less. And, and how do you do that? You know, you got to bring technology into it. So we use Yardy Property Management as our base property management system. And then we've gone, uh, sourced out other systems to fit into that. We use a system called Beanworks, which uh, has basically digitized all of our invoicing and payables and payments and have that incorporated in, in our system. So like we've now, well, number one, I think we've saved a number of trees because we don't require paper. And we've also gone and gotten uh, systems for dealing with tenant maintenance issues and requests of that sort. And we're always looking at you know, revenue models as to how we can uh, find better ways of ensuring that we're getting every last penny for our clients. And, and all of that's focused on various pieces of technology that weren't available you know, even 10 years ago, right? And has it reduced the need for employees at all? It hasn't reduced the, the need for employees. It's always interesting when you're talking to the various vendors, they talk about how this is gonna save you on your you know, employment, your staffing. We still need the bums in the seats, and whether it's the frontline people being the property managers or your administrative support or your accounting people, we haven't found, a, and, and nor are we even interested in, in trying to reduce those numbers. We certainly want to find efficiencies in those numbers, but we want to keep the, the people we got for as long as we can. And when a property management company gets a compliment, and sometimes they're few and far between, it's usually not that, you know, gateway you're doing great or something to that extent. It's always related to an individual that I don't know how you got John Smith as your property manager, but he's great. Or I don't know how you got this person as your property accountant, but, you know, he's great. And, you know, our focus is on getting more good people. And I think we've been successful in that. We corporately have just north of 100 staff, uh, I guess I'll call white-collar staff, and 35% of those people have been with us more than 15 years. And so I'd like to think we're doing something right in, in that regard to get, uh, get those sort of numbers. So let's keep going there. How do you attract those good people? Well, 
So I'm going to talk about millennials in a second, but uh, let me start with uh, uh, what we've been doing for the past uh, 10, 15, 20 years for sure. Again, as I mentioned, you know, it's hard to find property managers in British Columbia, Alberta. Licensing is a requirement. In Ontario now, licensing is a requirement for condo managers. And every time you bring some regulation into it, you reduce the number of people out there actively looking for a job. So our success in getting good staff has been through a promotion of existing staff. So whether those are people in our administration or accounting that move up into property management or site staff, and we have well in excess of 500 site staff. Some, some are employees of our clients, some are employees of Gateway, but we you know, administer the souls of 500 people out in the field. A number of those we uh, reach out to and bring in and, and promote and train, and we've been very, very successful there. The other thing which we're actively doing right now is, is to try and get more and more younger people interested in this field. Myself, personally, I attend, well, anytime somebody will ask me, I'll attend, whether it's university or college or some sort of trade show, to, to reach out to students that are coming off of an accounting, or coming off of a uh, real estate program and spend the time to explain to them the benefits of getting involved in property management. And I, I feel, and this isn't a, a slag to any of our various industry associations, but I feel that as uh, the various real estate associations out there could do more to try to raise the awareness of, of the field of property management and getting more and more individuals actually wanting to, to get into this field. It is actually an attractive, it's an attractive field compared to some of the other things you do in real estate. I mean, Adam and I are in lending, so we're sitting at a desk crunching through numbers and maybe that's attractive, but I, it feels to me, and maybe I'm wrong, that some of the younger generations don't necessarily like the idea of having your cubicle that you sit there all day long and you wear the same suit and tie every day. And I can tell you what I would like best about it monthly stable cash flow because a lot of real estate <laughs> yeah. professions have really erratic pay schedules. Well, and the other thing is you're out and about, right? Like you're, you're visiting sites and you're meeting people and you're, you're not at a desk. You've got, it's a bit more dynamic. You never know what the day is going to bring, right? You're, it's a little bit more, a um, little bit more sort of, you know, I guess transient in the sense that you're not, you're not just kind of stuck to the one cubicle. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, in our model, we, we expect our property managers to be in the office 50% of the time and in the field 50% of the time. We treat our property managers more like entrepreneurs or intrapreneurs in that you know they set their hours. They just have to get the job done. So you know nobody's watching the clock to see if they show up at eight or nine. Uh, nobody's watching the clock to see when they leave. But you know we watch to see that the work is being done. And you're gonna get a lot of resumes after that comment. <laughs> well, I wish. I, uh, here's hoping. Here's hoping. We'll put it in the show notes. Let's. We'll yeah. make sure if you want to reach out, we'll we'll tell you where to send your resume. <laughs> exactly. So uh, property management. I mean, it's a, actually a very rewarding field to be in, and I always encourage students and the younger community to, to look into this and get, get involved in this and to, to check it out. And I attend several functions with the universities and various trade shows and meet with these people. And it's a bit of an uphill battle, but as you talk to younger people and explain to them the rewards of property management, it becomes more exciting for them. Let's face it, you're a property manager and you're responsible for tens of millions of dollars of assets that somebody else owns or a group of people own, and it's your responsibility to make sure that that is being maintained, that uh, it's producing a profit, and you've got to feel the reward of being successful in doing that. And you don't necessarily get that in, in other fields, uh, but you do, I, I feel, in property management. 
I have a friend who works for, he works in property management, but for the landowner, they've got this in-house. Maybe that's another segment we can talk about, but he loves it. I mean, there's one story, there was a managing, it was a five-story building, no elevators. It was walk up and he decided, you know, we really need to build an elevator. This is going to attract more tenants and get rents higher. And he was able to convince the landlords to do that and spend the money. And now he's, you know, he's created additional value. And so he really, it's asset management, but a little bit more closely aligned with the, the bricks and mortar. Yeah, one of the organizations is Tudor Real Estate Management. If you take that course, your your final assignment is basically doing a management plan, and and you get to pick a building and basically tear it apart, find out what's not being done right, find out what can be done better, find out you know highest and best use, and it's uh, again it's a very rewarding process to go through and. I highly recommend people uh, look into that field because of, of that sort of benefit. So uh, maybe let's keep going down that path. When you know of a, of a landlord that does the in-house property management, are you approaching them saying, hey, we can be more efficient for you, we can do this, save you money? Like, what is the, How does that conversation go? Yeah, it's an interesting conversation. So we were just talking about, you know, there's a lack of younger people in this field. And it's actually the same with regards to landlords. You know, if we're talking about private ownership, you know, it may have been grandfather and grandmother that started it, and then dad and mom continued it, and, you know, the kids are not interested in it. And we've picked up a number of family businesses that have basically gone to the point where they need professional management because nobody wants to do it. And I was the past president of Landlord BC, and as the, the president and being at various functions, I would meet with either the, the father who realized that the kids aren't going to take it on, or in some cases, the kids who realize they didn't really want to do it <laughs> and yeah. convince the dad that it's time to look at professional property management. And we've had a number of those that have happened over the years. And I can honestly say in every single case, uh, we've definitely brought something to the table that wasn't there before. And It must have- be more efficient if they're sort of outsourcing that functionality ultimately to the experts who really know what they're doing, that have the efficiencies because of you know, the economies of scale. I mean, it, but I think in that case, though, the argument's not necessarily efficiency, it's just ease of living your life. If you're talking about a generation well, that doesn't want to manage yeah, it. Yeah, whether it's on that side or even just if, you, if you're talking to institutions that believe they can do it themselves better and you're sitting there, no, you can't. I know, I know this industry better. I mean, how does that conversation play well, out? Well, no, that's exactly it. So, you know, you might start with the, uh, the situation you're, you're just talking about where, you know, ease of life. But, you know, as a large property management company, you know, we bring economies of scale to the the table as well. I mean, it only makes sense if I have 30,000 units and you've got 300 that I'm going to get, you know, my maintenance done for a lower lower price than you are. I'm going to get insurance done for a lower price than you are. And so there's those savings right off the bat. The other benefit is, you know, I manage 30,000 units and I've got a better handle on what the market is. So, you know, you might think you're getting top dollar for your in rent for your units, but you may not be. And so, you know, we bring that to the table. So there's, there's a number of things over and above just making life easier for generational individuals. It's, it's, it's a whole lot of other stuff as well. You mentioned um, 300 units, but what would be the minimum unit count before somebody could contemplate professional management? Well, they, okay, so there's an interesting avenue. So Gateway, well, okay, there are management companies that will do individual units. Gateway doesn't really do that. We, we tend to do uh, multifamily. In, you know, obviously Toronto, their buildings are a lot bigger than they are in, in Vancouver. You know, Vancouver, 100 units is actually considered a large building. So, you know, we manage stuff as small as 20, 30 units, and we manage stuff that's over 500 as well. And, and we can be efficient at doing all of those. And on the commercial side, what are you looking for? 
Uh, the commercial side, uh, we, we have three basic focuses on commercial, or three offices that basically focus on commercial, our, our Vancouver office, Victoria, and Calgary. Our strength is in office and in industrial. We do a little bit of, of uh, retail, but our strength on the commercial is, is definitely in, in office and in industrial. We, we have a number of properties that we manage in our Vancouver office and out of our Victoria office in Calgary. We'd like to expand that into our Ontario office as well, and, and even into Montreal if that was uh, in the cards. Which uh, which of those asset classes gives you the most headaches? Uh, well, you know. You can't say apartments because we're sitting at the apartment. I know, office. I know. I mean, here's the thing: like the you know, it doesn't matter which province you're in. Like the Commercial Tenancy Act is a very strong act in favor of the landlord, you know, because it's a buyer beware sort of situation. Tenants should be uh, knowledgeable in, in what they are required to do, and, and landlords certainly should be as well. That being said, you know, we have some industrial properties where, you know, the tenants try to get away with what the tenants get away with, and, uh, you know, it's a little bit more of an uphill battle to, to sort that out, but, you know, it's a battle that, you know, we get paid to do, so. How often are you getting engaged with the landlords where they're asking your expertise, asking your advice? What should we do with this property? What, you, know, you know, where you're using the example I talked about, you know, building an elevator where, you know, that's not necessarily your decision, but you may think that that's something that should be done. I guess, and it would it depend on the, the relationship or? Well, in some regards, yes. Uh, I mean, we have a number of developers that, uh, you know, they have their own divisions that deal with that and they don't always get us involved. But most of our clients do. Property managers are basically generalists. You know, we are not like, for example, elevator magicians or whatever, but, you know, we know a little bit about everything so that we can, you know, point the client in the right direction for, for getting the right answers as to what should happen to that building. And uh, we get involved in a lot on some capital work, basically uh, reviewing projects and scope and or finding the, the perfect consultant to deal with it. And we're typically involved throughout the process, if for no other reason, just to have, uh, act as that person, you know, coordinating it with residents and owners and what have you. To, to connect the dots, I, I realized as you're talking that we didn't make it obvious that the fees charged are a percentage effect, typically of the effective gross income. So there's, there's an alignment between what the property manager's incentives are and the landlords, because if you're able to help the landlord raise their rents and give them good advice to raise their rents, that ultimately means a, a larger fee for you. Yeah, exactly. We don't uh, negotiate fees on, a, on an annual basis. It's a percentage. And uh, as we improve revenues, our fees go up. Right. So the, and so that, at least the landlords like that too, because if you're coming mm-hmm. and saying build an elevator is good for you, that's because you know that that means that the rents are going to go up or you believe that the rents are going to yeah, go up. Yeah, Exactly. You are, you're fresh off a panel here at the Western Canada Department Investment Conference. There you're talking about challenges in the rental market. Do you have any thoughts or your takeaways from the panel that you're on? It was a very interesting panel that we had here today. And we were, we were looking at three particular markets being Vancouver, Edmonton, and Calgary. And, and of course, you know, those are three markets with three different vacancy components right now. You've got the Vancouver market where your vacancy is you know, 1% or in some cases less. You've got you know Calgary and, and Edmonton where you're you know between four and five percent on on vacancy and so they all have different challenges and you know the challenge in Vancouver is basically you know affordability trying to trying to get tenants in or trying to find accommodation for tenants in a market that they basically can't afford and so we work with a lot of our in particular developer clients in that and we talked about this in the panel you know, how, how one can do that. And, you know, basically the discussion revolves around you, you got to build more efficiently, you got to build a little bit smaller in order for, you know, that market to, uh, to become um, uh, affordable. 
you know, in Edmonton and Calgary, it's a little different story. You've got, you know, higher vacancy, although, you know, it has come off and the panel discussed that and how that's uh, actually a very positive thing right now. But, you know, your challenges there are a little bit different. You're, you're competing against other landlords. You're, uh, your marketing is a whole different different animal. And there's a lot of discussion on how, how that is happening in, in, in those markets. It was a very, very good seminar. Is there anything that you're seeing that, that are drastically different between the different markets with, with regards to what the tenants are looking for, with the, the tenants' you know, affinity towards amenities or you know, their style of communication? You know, just there's something that might surprise you if you're... Yeah if you were un- unfamiliar with it. Yeah, well, again, so in, in Vancouver, you know, we get through social media and emails and that we get tenants, you know, trying to, as, as you guys would know in the uh, mortgage business, get pre-approved to get, get in the next time there's a vacancy. And, uh, you know, they're not, they're not as focused on, you know, what are the amenities or what are this and what are that. They just need a place. And, and it's, it's, it's a tough market right now in Vancouver. Here in Calgary and Edmonton, you know, there's, there's a, you know, newer product that's, Demanding higher rent needs to have all the amenities and, and uh, bells and whistles to justify that. Existing product, you know, just needs to be priced competitively. And so there's, there's certainly been downward pressure on rents, in particular in Edmonton and, and Calgary as well. And it's been tough for a number of landlords. But, you know, everyone's a little bit stronger than they were last time, you know. Speaking on the mortgage side, you know, most of these people that were renewing mortgages in the 2014s and that at the high rates and that are now coming up due, and uh, I'm sure you guys are going to grind uh, some really good rates for them, and, uh, you know, that's going to help out a lot as well. Thank thank you for advertising our cheap interest rates. (laughs) (laughs) We recently recorded an episode with Paul Chaput, and and he was talking about the retrofit program, and he's finding a lot of his clients are are going through a sweet retrofit program on the older older, uh, asset classes or older apartment stock. Uh, are you seeing a similar trend? Well, yes, I am, but it's, it's also come to a little bit of a halt in, in Vancouver. The, through regulation now, they've made it very, very difficult to, to do retrofits and what have you. Basically, uh, what they refer to as renoviction, where, you know, in some cases, you have to have a tenant move out in order to do the retrofit. And then, of course, you, you know, put a tenant in there at market rent. And, and now in Vancouver, you know, they're trying to... You know, make that more difficult. Uh, you got to give the tenant the first right to go back in at, at the, the exist- same rent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so so basically, it's put a stop to doing that in Vancouver, here in Calgary and Edmonton. It's still you know relatively strong because again, you you know you've got a higher vacancy rate. You want to find tenants, so if you want to get more money for your rent and have a lower vacancy, you've got to spend money fixing them up. And so you're seeing a lot of that happening here now. Are you seeing, you mentioned Vancouver and Alberta, what about the rest of the country? Are they similar to Alberta with regards to retrofit programs? So, you know, in Ontario, our experience, I mean, we don't have a lot of the retrofit, but our product in Ontario is actually a pretty good product. So, I mean, it's been well maintained over the years and, uh, you know, uh, it's it's done very well for us. In Montreal, we've definitely uh, put money into, our clients have put money into retrofits on properties to... uh, maintain those and to improve the, the tenancy and the, and the revenues for sure. So we were talking earlier, of course, about how to attract uh, young new talent. I guess the other part of that would be retention and, you know, corporate culture is a huge part of that, given that you are, of course, the, the head of the beast. What do you do to, to maintain a corporate culture that will keep those quality employees mm-hmm. with you? Well, Gateway, you know, it always started, like I mentioned earlier, it started out as a family business, family company. And to this day, it still is. And, and I don't just mean by ownership that the family still owns it. But, you know, the, the culture at Gateway is, is very much family 
first sort of product and or uh, feeling. You know, we we focus on our people. People is what we. I want to say sell. No, okay. What we rent, you know, like we don't sell widgets. We rent people uh, in a good way. And, you know, I, like I mentioned, we got a hundred odd white collar staff and, uh, you know, I probably say I know, know them all and uh, make every effort to meet with them, to talk to them and to expound this culture. And it seems to, seems to work. So why do people stay? Why don't they leave? Well, you know, People enjoyed working with my mother and father. People enjoy working with me, and people enjoy working with those people that work with me. And, you know, I'd say that's sort of it. Uh, you know, uh, just as a funny aside, I mean, like, you know, I, I, people used to say I was a workaholic. I don't think I'm a workaholic. I think I got the perfect balance because I worked with my mother and my father, right? I worked with my best friend. I actually, I met my wife at Gateway, and we've been married 18 years, so I work with her. So I, I, I've got the perfect balance, work-life balance. It just happens to be all around work. That's but, how you keep an employee, marry them. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I had to do that. Either that or I you know, have to give her another raise. But, but you know, it, it's just a fun sort of atmosphere. And, and, and again, this sort of relates back to you know, younger people coming into the workforce. I think, you know, certainly at Gateway, and I'm sure at several other property management companies, you know, it's an atmosphere that's it's, it's, it's an enjoyable atmosphere. It's a rewarding atmosphere. And it's something you definitely, I think, would want to at least look at if you're looking to change careers. So maybe I'll leave it at that. Okay, it's probably a good spot, good spot to end, an endorsement for uh, property management. And it shined a light on it for me because, I mean, in all reality, uh, you know, Aaron's and I's perspective on property management, we don't, you know, look too far into it other than it's a line item in our underwriting. Exactly, and, yeah. And uh, so it's kind of nice to get some insight, especially into the human element of a family-run business. So thank you very much for coming on. We do appreciate it. Thanks it's a great, for, great conversation. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks to First National for sponsoring it. Thank you to Informa for inviting us to the Western Canada Department Investment Conference here in Edmonton. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Thank you for listening to the CRE podcast. The information from this broadcast is not to be relied upon as financial investing, professional accounting, or legal advice. First National Financial LP holds Financial Services Commission of Ontario License Number 10514 and 11252.